All right, let's uh, take our seats, and if you've got a Bible with you, turn with me to James chapter 1, please. James chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 21. Let's just pray before I do. Father, we thank you for just a beautiful time in your presence together this morning. Father, we thank you that you're going to crown this year with your goodness, and we just receive that. And Father, we want to walk in your path this year, a path of abundant joy, a path of abundant peace, a path of abundant provision, a path of abundance in every way, Father. We declare that we believe that. For Jesus, you said that you've not come to steal from us or kill us or destroy us, but you've come to give us life and life in abundance. And we choose your way this morning. We choose to believe your word this morning. We choose to put that word in our hearts this morning and to speak that word out of our mouths this morning and to see change occur in Jesus' name. Amen. I really, I really believe that God is asking us afresh to take him seriously, to take him seriously in his word and take him seriously in what he says to us. So let's just read verse 24, 21. Sorry. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. <clears throat> so receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's got to be a humility when you listen to the preaching and teaching of the word of God or when you turn to the scripture yourselves. There's got to be a humility to, 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 to see it more than a religious exercise but to see it as an absolute dependency. Some people are dependent on the state. Some people are dependent on mom and dad. Some people are dependent on paycheck to paycheck. Some people are dependent on an emotional crutch, whether it be an addiction. But God wants us to find our dependency in his voice, in his word, and in his presence. Everybody has a dependency on something. God created us with a need for a dependency on him. A dependency on him. And we've got to be those that have are humble enough to receive him. To say, I need you, God. I don't want to live 2019 without you. I don't want to live a life of mediocre existence. I want to live a life of supernatural abundance. Amen? So it says, to lay aside garbage, basically... My little daughter, she's got this phrase, which is not very nice. She usually says it when I cook something. But if Joel's not eating his food, she'll, she'll get annoyed with him. She'll say, Joel, come and eat your garbage. She's not very nice when I've cooked a meal for her. It's usually when I do it, she'll, she'll say it. Come and eat your garbage. And he'll say, he'll say, take a chill pill, Zoe. Chill your beans. But God, does, God wants us to lay aside our garbage. And he wants us to receive the word that's implanted in us that can save us. And how does that word go about saving our souls? It does this. It, it, it compels us not just to hear the word, but to do it. What does that mean, to do the word? It means to speak the word. It means to act upon the word. It means to take hold of the promises of God and put them in our heart and speak them out of our mouth until we see the physical reality of that promise come. Go to another scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, 
This is just for introduction. I'm going to share <clears throat> similar today and next week on the same thing. And those who are not here this morning really have missed out. Amen. But thank God for the, we'll eventually get it on the website and so forth. But you're, you're blessed to be here this morning, whether you know it or not. <coughs> you're very blessed. Right. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 7. Wisdom... Now, the Bible says in, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, it may be 2 Corinthians, that Jesus has become for us wisdom. <coughs> wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. <coughs> in all you're getting, get understanding. So God wants you to have wisdom, and he wants you to have an un- understanding. What's the difference? <coughs> wisdom is the ability to use revelation knowledge to succeed in life. A wise person is a successful person. Okay. So it's the ability to use the revelation knowledge of the word to succeed in life, whatever that success looks like from God's standpoint. Basically, <clears throat> success is to do what God has called you to do. Okay? And God wants you to, be <clears throat> to receive revelation knowledge, receive his word, that enable, to take that word and use that as a guide and as a tool <coughs> Excuse me, <clears throat> to fulfill God's purpose and be successful. Now, what's the understanding? Well, think about the word. It's something you stand on. Understand is is a stand there. So an understand here would be something I stand on. It's something you stand on that's solid. Think about it that way. So not only is wisdom there for you to be successful in life, but when the storms come and the challenges come and the things hit you to try and knock you off course, that you've got a word in you You've got faith in you. You've got love in you. You've got word in you enough to stand when the storm comes. Put it this way like Jesus put it. You built your house upon the rock. If If you read that story carefully, the same stuff, the same storms, the same rains, the same winds that came on the house that was on the sand came at the house that was on the rock. It didn't mean because they put his house on the rock that it was beautiful, sunny, 35 degrees every day. It wasn't beautiful, beautiful weather every day for the person that put the house on the rock. But the house stood even in the storms because the house was on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, the Word, the Spirit. Amen? It's really important. Sorry? That's too deep for me, sorry. So... <coughs> So my point is that I really want you to grasp very strongly that God wants you to have an understand that's strong. He wants everyone to understand. It says in this scripture, in all you're getting, in all you're pursuing of things, pursue understanding. You know, that's really, really important. And we're going to look at that in another scripture later on. But just go down to verse 20 with me of the same chapter. My son or my daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, thank you, for out of it will spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth 
and perverse lips far from you. Do you know what a deceitful mouth is? <clears throat> Not just a liar. A deceitful mouth is somebody who disagrees with the word of God. Who receives the promise of God and says, ah, that's not going to work. That's a deceitful mouth. And the way we guard our heart, which is <clears throat> in this scripture, keep our heart, verse 23. How we do that <clears throat> is in verse 22 and 24. This is how you guard your heart. Put the word of God in your heart. How do you guard your heart? Keep your mouth away from deceit. That's how you're going to guard your heart. Amen? <clears throat> I just want to draw something from here. <clears throat> it says that the word is health to all your bones. So there's a, there's a physical benefit <clears throat> in receiving the word of God. Now listen to this. If you go to the doctor and they give you a prescription, say you've got a flu or something, a very bad flu, and it's got maybe on your chest or something, and they, they decide by a miracle to give you antibiotics. Well, I know. I'm just, I'm just making the point. It's a miracle if they do. <clears throat> now, you take that prescription, you go to the chemist, you get your antibiotics, you go home, you get back in bed, and you put the antibiotics by the bed ca side cabinet, and you say, oh, I'm really glad I went to the doctor. Oh, I'm so glad I got that prescription. I'm so glad that that antibiotics is by my bedside. I'm already feeling better. No, you wouldn't do that, would you? You would take the medicine. Whatever. You would take the medicine, wouldn't you? Yeah? You would take the medicine. My point is that <clears throat> what we tend to do with the scripture is, is not see it as medicine. Not see it as something we need to get healthy. We tend to see it as something that we have to do because it's a religious duty. Something that is uh, take it or leave it. Sometimes we can just leave the Bible on the shelf for three weeks and not bother about it. Why? Because we don't think it makes any difference. Or we get excited for a little bit about the Bible, maybe throw a few verses on Facebook, maybe throw a few verses to friends, and think, oh, I'm excited about the Bible now. Then a storm comes and we stop doing it. There needs to be a sense of getting real with our Christian faith this year. And getting real about what we believe. And getting real about what we stand on. And stop letting our emotions rule us. Because we do not have to be dictated to by our emotions and how we feel. We are continually able to stand in faith. And then our emotions will follow our faith. It's really important. God doesn't want a lot of emotional Christians that are constantly at the, at the mercy of their fickle emotions or somebody else's fickle emotions. God wants us this year to not be at the mercy of somebody else's emotions, but to be in the grace of our faith. Amen? Amen? Yes. <clears throat> so, one of the things that really hit me over the Christmas, I'm just chatting with you now, that's okay. I know it's one way, but there you go. <clears throat> one of the things that really hit me over Christmas... In my own sort of time with God, I felt God speak to me about there's still more sacred cows in the body of Christ that need to be uh, blown away, you know, to take a good old-fashioned shotgun to some of the sacred cows and just put, that, put days of the sacred cow out of her misery, okay? 
that there's things that we've held on to revelation-wise, or not revelation, but ideas from the scripture that really don't help us. And we've even, on this one, we've even done songs about it, and there's a really nice song about it that I used to love, but I'm kind of not loving anymore. It's the idea that, now this, this is, this is going to drive some of you wild, forgive me. <clears throat> it's the idea that he's the potter and we're the clay. That, that God wants to mold us, to break us, no matter how many times he puts us on the potter's wheel, he wants to break us until we're just like Jesus. And that he's the potter, we're the clay, we, we've got no say in what goes on, we're just a ball of grey mud, and he just shapes us the way he wants because he's in control. <clears throat> so I, I, when the Holy Spirit started talking to me this, I thought, God, why are you talking to me about this, you know? You talk to me about so many, so many stuff that's controversial and it gets people upset. Why are you now talking to me about the potter and the clay? He said, son, I'll tell you why I'm talking to you about the potter and the clay. Because I want my people to get ready to, be, to move in miracle signs and wonders. And if they still think they're a clay pot, they won't do it. Now, I'm not going to answer all your questions this morning. Hopefully by the end of next Sunday sermon, I'll answer most of your questions. So don't say, what about this scripture, what about this scripture? We'll get to some scriptures on it. <clears throat> but I want, I want to just say a couple of things, first of all. Every time this idea of us being, or people being the clay, and God being the potter is mentioned in the Old Testament, you can look at the times it's mentioned. It's always in the context of God being the potter and the clay being the evil world system or representation of that system, whether it be an evil king like Cyrus, whether it be who was anointed of God to do a specific thing, but he was still an evil king. Do you understand? So it's not talking about God's people in that sense. Or you may get away with referring some of these ideas to God's people when they're in rebellion. And I, I went through this with the Lord. I said, you know, God, what about that time when it says in, in Jeremiah, what time in Isaiah about? And God says, yeah, but you're not a rebellious people. I don't see you that way. Oh. So how is that relevant for you? Think about it. If you're saying, or singing, the potter's hand, you're saying... Oh, mold me, break me. You're saying I'm rebellious. No, you're not rebellious. You're not a rebellious bit of clay. You're a son and daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Really important. Why, why does this matter? Because we go around saying things like this, misquoting out of context of Scripture, and I've done it myself, we're all earthen vessels. When we make mistakes or we're feeling a bit weary, we're all earthen vessels. Well, in a way, that's true. Your physical body is an earthen vessel. But you're, you are more than your physical body. Amen. If you don't know what earthen vessel means, here's another example from the NIV. Jars of clay. Anybody know what a jar of clay is? Use them to drink on a regular basis. A mug. So you're not a mug. Do you get it? There's no mugs in here. Are you, are you with me at the back? Yeah. No mugs in here. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> so, Paul says this. He says, you, you're an earthen vessel, but the glory is within you. 
and surpassing glory. What is that glory? Is it just some kind of liquid that God pours in an earthen vessel and it's nothing really to do with you because you're just an earthen vessel? No, the glory is you. It's your spirit man. It's the real you. You were born again and your spirit is perfect and glorious. It's inside you right now. The real you is in there. I don't know if we're getting this. We'll get it by the time we finish. It's really important. Because if we don't see ourselves the way we are, we'll never be able to do what God wants us to do. We're not little pieces of clay. Now, religion wants us to be this way. Let me take you to one scripture in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 11. Go there. You'll recognize, some of you will recognize this scripture. Verse 13 of Zechariah chapter 11, it says, And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. That scripture is is attributed, it's, uh, it's quoted in the New Testament by the writers of the New Testament when dealing with Judas. So Judas... For 30 pieces of silver, what did he do? He betrayed Jesus, didn't he? And he threw that 30 pieces of silver at whose feet? Do you remember in the gospel? The high priest. Right. So in the context of this, the high priest was the potter. What does the high priest represent? Represents a dead religious system. God is not the leader, not the author of a dead religious system. He is not the potter. He is the author of life, and he is the creator. But this subservient, legalistic-based religion wants to be the potter in your life and make you into a little clay pot that never does anything. And when 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 he sees a blemish in you, oh, that little pot, that little clay pot wane, I see a blemish there, I see a flaw, let's break him! Build him up again. No, don't say amen. Break him and build him up again. No, that's religion. It's really important we get this. God doesn't want us to be broken again and again and again. He wants us to see ourselves the way he sees us. And here this potter is attributed to a dead religious system not to the nature of God. Go with me to one more scripture. I think we'll try and deal with it next week a bit more. Some of us are reeling from this. I love that song about the potter and the clay. You are the potter, I am the clay. No, me make me. Oh, God. So depressing. Especially when you sing it like that. But, you know, this sort of garbage that we kind of... So even in Romans chapter 9, when Paul talks about the potter and the clay, he's not talking about the redeemed. He's talking about the difference between the Gentile and the Jew. We take these phrases and we make songs and religions out of them. And God says, grow up. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 2.
You know, sometimes I wish God would just let me give you a nice little sermon. Everybody is very practical and down to earth and everybody loves it. But I'm sorry, I, I have to be me. And I have to let God speak to me the way he speaks to me. And I believe if you take hold of it, it's going to do you good. 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 19. Nevertheless, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. That's me! I'm the little wooden vessel. I'm the little clay vessel. I'm, the, I'm just the one that nobody sees and nobody cares about. That's me. That's my call. See, Jeff, it talks about clay vessels here. That's me. Me and, and little Keith Lee in Yorkshire, I'm that little vessel. I'm not here to do great things. I'm here to be the little vessel that takes out the garbage, and I'm happy with that, and the Lord loves me anyway. <laughs> goodness sake every one of us is called to do great and glorious things and great and glorious things is not defined by the world system it's defined by God you know what God considers a great and glorious thing when you do what he tells you to do I'm just nothing I'm just no one no let's just read on shall we Therefore, if anyone cleanses, cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So, the, the writer's asking us to cleanse ourselves from being a vessel of dishonor or having an identity of dishonor. He's asking, <laughs> he's asking us to cleanse ourselves from identity of clay. Have you heard all these phrases like, oh, he's got clay feet, that one. Well, we're just made out of clay, us human beings. Us human beings, we're just clay. We're going to make mistakes all the time, we're just clay. You have what you say. Paul comes along in his letter to the Corinthians, the first letter, and he says, why are there so many divisions among you? You're acting like mere men. Paul doesn't see you as mere men, nor does God. You are brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're an entirely new species of being in your spirit. Amen? Amen. Wow. So cleanse yourself from the latter. Stop saying negative things about yourself. Stop saying, having negative pictures about you. You are not the sum total of your shame and your past and your mistakes. And you're not what other people say about you. You know, if it wasn't for love, I would have a great ministry of slapping people who start to criticize other people. If it wasn't for love. I would love that ministry in my flesh. Somebody. Give me the ministry of slapping somebody who criticizes other people. Amen? Wouldn't it be good? But that would still be the law. It would still be the wrong tree. My point is this. The reason I believe that that person is criticizing you is because they feel bad about themselves. And the reason you're receiving that criticism is because you don't know who you are or I don't know who I am. Amen? 
Well, there's constructive criticism. Constructive criticism is this. Uh, I can see you need to have change in that area. Let me help you do that, and I'll walk with you doing it. That's fine. Deconstructive criticism is, this is wrong with you, this is wrong with you, and I haven't got a clue how to solve it, but I just want to point it out for you. Thank you very much. And we've got a lot of that about. Now, God wants you to be cleansed from this identity of clay, from being a mug, because you're not a mug, and to be fit for the master's use. You are, according to this, you're a golden vessel. You are, say it to the person next to you, look them in the eyes. Now, don't have a usual half an hour conversation after it. Just say to them, you are a golden vessel. Now, let them say it back to you. You are a golden vessel. Amen. And it says, listen to this, fit for the master's use. I want to just read this scripture in a different translation for you. I want to read it in the, the trendy version at the moment, which is the Passion Translation. But it is a good and interesting version of this in this translation. So just bear with me. Just close your eyes. I want to read this scripture to you in a different translation from verse 20. Just, just let this paint a picture in your mind. In a palace, you find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. Some are beautifully inlaid with gold or silver, but some are made of wood and earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions, and some for everyday use. But you, Timothy, must not see your life and ministry this way. Oh, so if it's good enough for Timothy, it's good enough for you. For you, Lou, must not see your life and ministry this way. For you, Eileen, must not see your life and ministry this way. For you, Rebecca, must not see your life and ministry this way. Have you got my point? Yeah. It's really important. For you are to be a pure container of Christ and dedicated to the honorable purposes of your master, prepared for every good work he gives you to do. Don't start talking about doing massive evangelism when you don't know who you are, because it will reap very little. Don't start talking about the need for reaching everybody with Christ, because the little you have of knowledge of Christ is all they'll receive. But if we have a company of people that start to know that they're golden vessels and start to know who they are and they're just the delight of coming into the inheritance we have, we won't have to preach to people to go and tell people about Jesus. You'll just want to tell people about Jesus because of what he's done in your life. You know, we won't even have to have people, we'll have to asking people to serve on a Sunday morning or serve in church. It won't be necessary. Why? Because we'll start to know who we are. And it says about Jesus, knowing who he was, his authority, and where he'd come from, and where he's going, he washed the disciples' feet. So your service for God comes out of who you are. You're a son who serves, you're not a servant in servitude. And you're a golden vessel. So I was meditating on this a bit, and I'll close with this because of time. And we'll pick it up next week, because I want to go deeper on this. Wow, I'm a golden vessel. I'm fit for the master's use. Maybe I'm that beautiful candle on the table that 
brings light for the guests that come around the table. I was thinking about this and Holy Spirit in my meditation just said, you are beautiful to me, Jeff, and all my people are beautiful golden vessels to me. But he said this to me in my spirit. He said, think about it. How much do I love people who still don't know me yet when I want to use you as golden vessels to invite them in? He said, son, please, please help my people and help yourself by changing your view of the way I view people who are not yet Christian. He said, son, that there are no them and uses. Everyone's invited to the party. And when they get to the party, I want somebody who is fit to DJ, somebody who's fit to do games, somebody who's fit to serve, somebody who's fit to produce beautiful food. When they get to the party, I want you ready in your place to serve the nations. But you can't do it if you still see yourself as a mug. Stand with me, would you? I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read a prophecy to you to close about you and about God and about His purpose. Are you ready? Now, if you're not very good at standing, you can sit because it's a little bit, it'll take a few minutes, this, but I want you to grasp hold of it in your heart. So you can stand if you, if you can sit if you want to. You'll stand on your head if you want to. <clears throat> Here we go. It's based on Philippians 2 verse 13, which says, God is at work within you. I can feel the Holy Spirit struggling to have her place and to have rights in the individual members of the body of Christ. How the Spirit longs to heal the sick, to break the power of Satan over the lives of men through you and me. Let the Holy Spirit loose. Don't limit God. Believe the gospel. It is the method to infuse you with all God's power. The new creation, the golden vessel, is utterly one with Christ. You and I have seen that new creation. The new creation is one with love who is God, and God is one with Him, and love is one with the new creation. The new creation is the body of Christ. This living organism, God-filled, God-dominated, is here among men and women, acting for love, acting in love's stead, taking over love's work. We are now his burden bearers. We carry his load with his strength. We do his will with his ability. He is living his life in us. He said, I am the way. This way is not a road, it's a person. It's not a theory, it's a reality. It's not a doctrine, it's a life worth living. Dogma and doctrines have lost their significance. They are the worn-out shells of the yesterdays. They held us in a bondage for years. Now we are swallowed up in Jesus. His grace has made us strong. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves, says Romans 15:1-2. This is the Jesus method. He was strong. He took our infirmities. Now his strength has made us strong. We take over the weaknesses of others. We are not their critics. We do not condemn anyone because of failure. We go 
down and take their burdens and let them walk by our side. Free men, we do not condemn the one held in prison by Satan. For we remember that once we were slaves. We are the grace givers, the burden bearers, the light leaders in a world of darkness. We are the Jesus men and women of a new age. He has made us love. He has made us like himself. What he was in his earth walk, we are now in our earth walk. <clears throat> he has taken us over in order that we might take over his dream for mankind. And it sounds strange, but it is beautifully true that we love as he loved. We love within his love. We look upon people through love's eyes. We used to say, they are reaping what they sow. We used to see them through the eyes of the sense realm. Now we say, Father, help me to help them. I am taking your grace and your wisdom to carry the load that they have failed to carry. They have been deceived by the senses. I take their place and carry their burden as you, Jesus, have taken my place and carried my burden. We speak of them with love's voice, with love's message. For over 2,000 years, the limitless ability of God has been unused and untapped. The church has remained relatively powerless and weak. Sin consciousness and clay consciousness has reigned as master. And the church has served as a slave. Yet the, the church needs to represent the new creation, the golden vessel, which is a Satan conqueror. Let all the possibility of God be let loose in you. Shall God be great amongst the world once more? Shall he heal and save multitudes? Shall the vast hordes of men once again hear the message of grace from the lips set on fire with love? Shall the Peters of our generation walk the waves? Shall we hear them say to the crippled, arise and walk? Shall we see men set free from Satan's dominion? Yes, I believe we shall. We are the masters. We are the time lords. We have arrived. We have what the human spirit has craved for. We are whispering now from the inside, greater is he who is in us than any opposition or any lack that we may confront. We are God created, the God indwelt, the God empowered, the God guided. We are the ones in whom love never fails. So go ahead, let God be loosed in you and through you. You're a golden vessel. Amen. Father, we receive <clears throat> that exhortation. We receive that encouragement. <clears throat> 